Hello, friends. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Kenton. This is Rewild University's Unleash Your Life podcast. Hey there. Hey. What do you think? What is it? It's my new look. Uh, okay. That's where my colander went to. Hey, that gave me something to wrap it around. And my aluminum foil. Yeah. Why are you putting aluminum foil around the colander and wearing it on your head? No. That's so that the aliens don't, they can't get my brain and control it. Alien mind control. You gotta watch out for these things. Okay. I I knew you were special, but this is sort of psychiatric. It's not psychiatric. <laughs> hey, what your alien? cousins have them, too. My cousins have what? Don't you remember those beautiful ones they have? I, I won't say their names, but they're probably laughing. What are you talking they're about? They're beautiful tinfoil oh, caps. Oh, I never got to see them. You didn't? No. Oh, they're on display. Oh, are they? Yeah. Oh, I don't know how I missed that. Theirs look so much nicer than mine, so I've been trying to get a nice shape here. Well, you can't have my colander. I need it. Well, you can have it back in a week. What is the deal with Maybe aliens Maybe after next anyway? month. When well, haven't you... you seen all the news reports? No, I'm afraid I don't really actually go and look at news reports. The U.S. is about to announce a bunch of stuff about UFOs. Okay. Yeah, the aliens are probably coming to get us. You know, it's really interesting that we say UFO, which is unidentified flying object, but then we naturally assume aliens. Yeah, I saw one the other day, actually. I was An out alien or a, a UFO? A UFO. Okay. This little like leaf or something flew by me. I'm not sure what it was, but it was definitely unidentified. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Okay, so wait a second. You're saying that there... Wait, so just because the government is telling us that there's UFOs and aliens doesn't... I mean... I mean, the government. Right, okay. Yeah. Well, they also told us that, you know, all fat was bad for us. Honey, you've got to learn to believe whatever the government tells you. <laughs> That's probably your problem and why you're so special. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> so you see the media, right? It, it grabs on to something or another, right? And then it just fills our whole radio waves, so to speak, with that. And that's pretty typical of the media, isn't it? I mean, it grabs onto one subject and just, that's all it can talk about. You know, I only just realized this, but I actually, the reason I don't watch the media a whole lot is because I don't read things that are tabloidy, you know, oh, this movie star is seeing that movie star. And I almost think of our media these days as just an extension of Hollywoodization. That is life. probably fair, right? It jumps onto whatever I would say is most dramatic at the moment. And then, of course, tries to make it sound even more dramatic than it is. In this case, the U.S. is going to release some footage and uh, probably some classified documents and such. But some other people have pointed out that there's been plenty of unclassified stuff. The government's been doing this forever. This is not anything new at all. But because the media has jumped onto it, now it's in everybody's spotlight and everybody's thinking about it. And some people, of course, are having some anxiety and fright about it, even though it really is nothing new since the 70s or something. The government has had these programs and looking at it. They've released information time and time again and 
Okay. Yeah, there's stuff out there that we can't describe, but that happens in the woods, too. Well, yeah, yeah, that definitely happens in the woods. <laughs> Do you know what I saw the other day? Sounds at night. What? Gosh, I didn't tell you about this. Sounds at night. That's a good one. I was sitting there. It was a perfectly calm day, and I looked down, and there was this leaf, and it started to move upward, and then it is on the ground, and then it moved back downward. Nothing else was really moving. Again, it was a still day, and I went down there and I looked and I went under it. Is there a worm or something that had moved it? And mm. huh, that was really bizarro. We Can't have... explain it, but there it was. Yeah, we have all sorts of things that we. I mean, take COVID. That's the most recent thing. Wait aside a second. From... Why do people always think that aliens are going to come in round spaceships or something like that? Wouldn't they come in some small biological? thing like it would look like a moss in the woods or wouldn't they just come with their consciousness that's what i was gonna say why travel with a body or anything physical when you can just travel with your consciousness yeah seriously anyway you were saying COVID. Oh, well i was just saying okay obviously there's ufos now but before this the thing that was really on everyone's mind was covid and it still is to some degrees but that really 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 shook up tons of people's worlds thankfully for us, at least, we weren't super dramatically affected, but we had to stop teaching classes in person. And I mean, it definitely impacted us. I've also seen some really positive changes because of that. But I guess I kind of look back over history and I want to say there's always something uncertain. And even in the most stable historical times, individually, personally, in our own lives, there's always uncertainty. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uncertainty... The Buddha is always trying to point to this, that the world around us is transient, that there's nothing we can really cling to that will stay the same, even though some part of us often wants things to just stay the same. So the world maybe could be said is uncertainty. And that's scary to that part of our brain that just wants everything to be solid and predictable. Okay, security is definitely the word. And I think that's something that we're constantly trying to grab onto and create in our lives. And I am guilty of that as well. We want things to stay the same. We want to feel that we're safe. We want to feel that I'm going to live in this house forever or be with this partner forever or have this type of physical body forever. But we kind of know that that's not true, yet we super, super, super focus on that. And maybe it would help us if we looked at uncertainty and insecurity. I mean, insecurity in the sense of things are not secure. And saw, hey, that's kind of the truth of it. And maybe it isn't all bad. Remember Alan Watts? He had a book called The Wisdom of Insecurity. And I feel like every time somebody sees that title... They think, what in the world? The wisdom of insecurity? <laughs> Life is about security. We don't want to have insecurity. Yeah, my whoever gosh. says, the thing I'm really searching for in my life is insecurity. Yeah. <laughs> Although there are definitely people out there, some you know, adrenaline junkies and things like that, people who really love drama, who kind of are trying to get, I think, some mm-hmm. enjoyment from that insecurity. But, but, but uncertainty isn't always bad. No, it isn't always bad. And Well, as you said, we can enjoy certain aspects of it. And our brain, it jumps towards wanting to have drama. I mean, that's why we watch our movies and everything, because we, part of us loves that insecurity. And yet also our brain seems to be wired in some ways to try to seek out security in that uncertain world. 
as usual, we're kind of, you know, torn in two directions as human beings. <laughs> it's kind of the story of our life. I think multiple directions. But from a mindfulness perspective, this uncertainty or insecurity is something that really, if we grasp it, if we make friends with it. I think it, it's funny that you use the word grasp. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I in that case I meant grasp as I know in what you meant. mentally grasp it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, funny that I did use that word. Here's an example. My brother was uh, he's traveled all around the world, especially Southeast Asia, and I think he was in Thailand in this beautiful garden, and he was walking through this public garden, and there was a little sign, and the side of the pathway. And the sign had a couple holding hands, enjoying the garden. And it just looked like, ah, a reminder to be present in this beautiful place that you were in. But a second look showed that one of the couple was a skeleton. Whoa. Yes, a Buddhist garden. And of course, they were trying to remind us of the transience of life. That the person mm. you're walking with may not be there tomorrow. That again is frightening but if we can mentally grasp that concept if we can say okay the world is insecure there's a huge gift waiting for us there yeah i mean that gives me goosebumps but the reason why is not because it's necessarily scary but because it is such a powerful reminder hey this isn't going to last forever and when you start thinking this isn't going to last forever I feel that you have a few ways you can approach that. And one of them is to just try to cling even more strongly. But the other is to sort of gently open up your hand palm upward and you know watch that butterfly land and leave and land and leave and really, really, really love that moment that you're in or the person that you're with and say, wait, life is too short to hold a grudge or drink tea that you don't like. Or, well, you know, yeah. I mean, seriously, people shouldn't have to drink tea. They don't like tea. But really, we should enjoy our food. We should be in the moment we're in. And then we actually have something that we're there for. Yeah, this really points to two basic approaches to life. Because this, this idea of the presence of insecurity, it's there with us whether we like it or not. And the one route that we can take, as you pointed to there, is to just try to make the world around us as secure as possible. And that's kind of our cultural paradigm. So you want to have savings accounts, you want to save up for retirement, and you want to be obviously as healthy as you can so that you're not going to get cancer or something like that. You want to drive a car that has the best safety ratings. In other words, we try to structure our whole life so that it has as many security blankets around us so that we are less likely to experience anything that would feel insecure. Now, this can be effective. I mean, driving a car that has a better safety rating can mean that you get in a collision and you're okay and you walk mm -hmm. away from it. It also can be a semi that comes around the corner and it doesn't matter what you're driving. Or you are in a super safe car and the person that you hit was not in a super safe car. And there's the mental and emotional impact of having killed somebody else in a car oh, accident. This is like a really heavy conversation right now. This is heavy. <laughs> oh this is gosh. heavy, baby. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. So we can try to organize everything. And I don't think that 
in this episode, we're necessarily making a case for don't choose things that you know to be safe. Obviously, choose what you think is safe and what is good. I think what we're saying is no matter sometimes our choices, and as human beings, we've already said this, we're torn. We can go back and forth and this and that, or we can think, oh, if I have money, if I have health insurance, if I have this, if I have that, if I line up all my ducks in a row, all my externals, then I will have security. But the reminder is you just don't know. Yeah. So the flip side of this is that we can develop an inner security, which is paradoxically sort of an inner letting go. Mm. But, but there is a foundation that we can build in life. And if I can build that foundation in the external world, I'm building it out of, of money and what people think of me and all these things that I actually don't have much control of, the inner foundation that we can build, we have a lot more control over it and we can build something that changes how we experience that external world. So instead of trying to set up all the blocks in a perfect tower, we can enjoy the blocks however they're arranged. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, is probably a better route towards security than trying to stack the blocks perfectly. And we today have a four-point pathway to achieve that. Oh my gosh. And for only nineteen ninety-five, you can listen to this. That's right. You can follow our pathway and along with that you'll get the brand new plastic colander. Oh god. You said you really want the colander back. Plastic doesn't colander help you like... with the aliens, babe. Oh, it's gotta be metal. Yeah. Anyway, do you know what I'm thinking? Lead. Oh, that's great. You can get a new, brand new lead colander. Don't use it for your food. It's only $999 for shipping, but no worries. Okay. so We'll be rich. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, am, I just have to say, I'm thinking about the forest monks and hmm. survival 101 classes and things like that. Because in those situations, some of the scenarios that you've done uh, are ridiculous. They are ridiculous. I mean, you're almost naked overnight or some of the Spartan cold fire challenges that you've done. The blocks are not stacked up in a good way. Right. So what's the thing you have left? And we always talk about this with survival. Your foundation of your mind, your attitude, your awareness, your mindfulness, that is your number one most important survival tool. Mm -hmm. Not just for in nature, but just for life in general. Yeah, it's a fun thing about those scenario challenges. They are ridiculous in the sense that you're not going to experience that thing directly, probably ever in your life, except for the mosquito challenges. Those are yeah, very realistic. Definitely very realistic, <laughs> very but, practical. <laughs> but they are purposely throwing down those that stack of blocks and saying, okay, your blocks are scattered. What can you do with that scattered pile of blocks? And then we can start to build a foundation through those scenario challenges or as we'll show here just through changing our approach to life and when we do that wow what a difference it makes we no longer dwell in this world where we're constantly trying to manipulate the blocks to get them perfect which just never works. You spend all your time trying to manipulate blocks. Oh, it is so energetically draining. It is. I feel kind of this amazing sigh of relief if I think about, you know what? You don't need to get it all right. You don't need to get it all in a row. What you probably want to bring to the table is a positive attitude and the mm. ability, the resilience 
to weather the blocks in whatever situation they're in. Yeah. Okay, so tell me about the four point. The whatever. four point. All right, we have to have a Wait, paywall here. What's it called though? The four point what? We have no name for it. We're just going <laughs> to give four points. The four point personalized plan for positive. <laughs> positive pay. Come on, another P. Payroll. Pay, oh. Paywall. 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 <laughs> you said we have to have a paywall. Paywall. Yeah. <laughs> so now plug the in. Paywall for the pop. <laughs> plug it. Oh, wait, that's, this is LP. <laughs> okay. So so tell me about this. You have we have, you we have four. Four ways, and these each of these is a step up. So if you follow this four point path to perfection. Oh, Padawan. <laughs> Padawan perfection, then you will achieve something happy. <laughs> oh my god. Pleasing. Gosh. How about pleasing? Pleasing. Pleasing. Thank you. Well, what's this first one that we're going to talk about? This first one is the easiest step sometimes, and that is to step up your giving. Let and you can give to us quite easily by. That's right. <laughs> Just come. <laughs> Aren't you glad we don't try to sell stuff? Ugh. Okay, so giving. Giving. Let's imagine that you bake bread. Which we do. We do. Yeah, sourdough bread. <laughs> and you make a couple loaves of bread. The challenge here might be to say, I'm going to take one or both or some amount of that bread and just give it away. And as you were pointing out earlier today, Becca, giving, when you just give, it's kind of the opposite of the stacking the blocks mm, at least superficially yeah, intentionally sort of saying i am not going to be secure in fact i'm going to give somebody else something to sort of i mean you're not necessarily intentionally making them secure but you're not focusing on your own security this can be traditional volunteering this can be just taking something that you're good at let's say you make dolls and you make a doll and you give it away to somebody and you're taking your time, your energy, all the things that we should be hoarding according mm -hmm. to our security That's such a great mindset. Word, hoarding. Yeah. We're taking all those things we should be hoarding and we're just giving them away. And that starts to train our mind in a different route. Yeah, definitely. I think of it as exercise for that muscle in us that isn't a real literal muscle, but the muscle that says, you know what? I don't need to have everything. I don't need to hold on to everything. And in fact, I may experience greater joy and satisfaction by giving something away, mm. whether it's my time or my materials or whatever. Boy, look at, I'm actually, I feel a little bit happier. And it's of course, pretty easy to give from a place of uh, external abundance but to give from a place of internal abundance. In other words, to give a little bit more than you are comfortable mm. with giving. That often is the key and it gets us more into the mindset. So for instance, we make the bread. Mm -hmm. We have never just made two loaves and just given those loaves away. So I'm uncomfortable with that. I want to eat some for my family here. <laughs> I want that blocks, those blocks to be stacked. Yes. So what would happen if I went through all the effort of making the bread and then gave both loaves to our neighbors, let's say. Okay, so I think what you're saying, which is really wise, is that giving when the giving is easy is wonderful. Mm -hmm. But what we're talking about here to help with that foundational uh, sense of not needing mm -hmm. security is to give when the giving is a little bit more challenging. Yeah. To actually give 
when you feel, ooh, can I do that? And you go, you know what? I'm working on my foundation here. And I realize that I really don't have possession of anything for my entire life. Because eventually, psh, I'm going to die. So, can mm. I stretch that muscle a little bit? Yeah. See what happens. Now, the next one is a little more challenging. And costs a little more money. So <laughs> <laughs> It goes a little bit deeper. And that one is gratitude. You hear us talk about this often, of course. But gratitude reshapes our mind. So gratitude takes any situation or event or experience that we're having in our life and it takes us out of the possibility of looking at that in a negative way and instead looking at it in a positive gratitude filled way which is really essential i think from my perspective in what i've experienced in life for really feeling satisfaction for really feeling that i am secure and i'm not necessarily secure in my blocks but I'm secure in seeing that, wow, I have things to be grateful for, mm -hmm. that there is goodness, that there is positivity. My challenge sometimes is I really need to feel it. So I can't just be a brain exercise for me. Yeah, okay, I know I need to be grateful right now. Okay, I'm glad that I'm healthy. I'm grateful I have a roof over my head, blah, blah, blah. I really need to find the things that make me go, Wow, yeah, mm. I am so thankful for that. And it could be something very simple. Like this cup of tea is a good cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm really loving it. And I don't have to go any further if I can really immerse myself in it. Now, if you want to take gratitude a step further and I have to hearken back, you always have an excuse for not doing something. Like for me, the excuse of not giving away two loaves of bread is that you'd have to fight off the girls. Boy, they like that bread. <laughs> you mean Mirabelle and Liliana? Yeah, I mean our daughters. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow, I'd have to sword fight or wrestle them or something. Yeah, in order to get the loaves of bread out the door? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. That's a really big excuse in your world. The gratitude. So the gratitude has a, a deeper side, just like the giving. And that is to find something in our lives that we're displeased with. Mm -hmm. So I sit down to a meal and it didn't come out the way I wanted it to or somebody else cooked it and it's kind of eh, cooking and just doesn't taste very Let's good. Let's make it even worse. You're super hungry. You've been waiting all day for this meal. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. And it, and and it pretty it's much sucks. not really very yummy. Yeah. And you can look at that and you can be blah or that is the moment to really build that gratitude muscle to stop and go, oh, here, I have food. It may not taste the way I was wanting it to taste or may not look the way I wanted it to, whatever, but to just soak into it and enjoy it and say, wow, I have food here and I'm so grateful for that. I've been fasting for a little bit. I can bit hear here. your stomach my growling now that we're talking about food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my tummy may be even audible on the podcast. Okay, I'm going to do uh, that thing that I'm not supposed to do where I have no idea who said the quote and I'm not even going to get the quote right. Yes. But I think it was from our little Zen companion book. Oh, you yeah, know that yeah, cute yeah. little book that oh, has I all those that. interesting different philosophical quotes and things. But it was basically something about I was complaining of having no shoes until I met a man who had no feet. Uh, and it's that ooh, sort of thing. Sometimes nice. I don't always propose the negative. Uh, what's the word? Mm -hmm. Framing. You, yeah. But sometimes it can really be helpful, especially if you're sort of grumpy. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, what's point number three? Mindfulness, of course. Oh, the M word. Yes. If our mind is operating on autopilot, if we do not even see what our mind is doing, then 100% guaranteed, it is just going to be driven by external events. We are going to be happy when we have a lot of money in our bank account and a good meal in front of us. We are going to be very unhappy if we're having trouble paying the bills and the meal in front of us is non-existent or smells crappy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think mindfulness is one of those things that we're going to have to work on our whole life. But you can make big... Uh, Jumps, leaps, <laughs> bounds, transitions, There was a word, and I was just about to say it, and it completely disappeared. <laughs> I, I think I need you to move the colander with the aluminum on it a little further Is away. Is it distracting you? It's, no, it's just, it's like interfering with my brain waves. Oh, it's distracting you. That's because of your lack of mindfulness. <laughs> <laughs> we tease each other all the time. <laughs> Where did I put this? Like, oh, you're all mindful. <laughs> Ninja level. Mindfulness can grow, but I think it's a lot like when you lift weights or things, you don't necessarily notice you're stronger, you feel weaker. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, three weeks later, you can lift something you couldn't before. So it's the same with mindfulness. If we don't, yeah, this is so vital. We've just, it is step three because it is powerful. It's just life transformative and it's tough. And as we go on to step four, we get even more powerful and tougher. Okay, so I just want to say one thing about mindfulness. Yeah. I'm at the point in my life, this is sort of a little private confession. I'm, I'm leaning in to tell you this more secretively, but I get to a point where I know that I need to be aware and I need to practice mindfulness, but whatever little devil is on my shoulder or my ego self says, I don't want to. Mm. I don't feel like it. Why do I always have to be making myself better? Mm -hmm. And then I just want to be mad or I want to be grumpy or I want to be contrary. Yeah. Yeah. And you're mindful enough that you can recognize that happening it in your mind. It is very nice. And then I try to say, okay. And I try to just do some things, deep breathing, meditation, etc. Maybe go for a walk, have a shower. But I just wanted to point out that... That is sometimes a side effect of the mindfulness is you can have some rebellion from the, quote, other side, your dark side. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You're going to have it. And that's important to remember about mindfulness, that you're not going to necessarily be turning off the thoughts or the negative stories. It's just that we don't have to believe in them anymore. And we're aware of them. Literally, so you put in the work, but literally... If you had not put in that work, mm -hmm. that would be operating in the background without your awareness and you just would be falling into that story. Yeah. I guess that's why they call it a practice. Yeah. Because it takes practice. Okay. Step four. All right. Is we're, this like we're going up? We're going deep. Yeah. Each one is okay. incremental. Yeah. yeah. Up or down, whichever way you want to look at it. Okay. And this is the big one. And this is actually a thread or a river that runs through all of our work. And we only talk about it from different angles because it's not something you can really speak about very directly. Wow, we'll... you sound mystical. Yeah, yeah. You want my hat? <laughs> no, I do not. You I kind could, of want my hat. I can you? tell you're you going to talk your about brain your brain waves back into your brain <laughs> and then it enhances the whole mystical process. Okay, so tell us what it is. Okay, so this is, we don't have a word for it in the English language but we're going to call it surrender. 
That's a nice word. Mm -hmm. And surrender can often feel like giving up. Which so, is difficult in our standard American culture. Yeah. Because we're really taught you need to pick a side. You need to stay your ground. You need to defend. You, you know, push boom, through Boom, boom, boom. Be yeah. strong. If, if you surrender, you're a loser, you're weak. But I don't think that holds really. Yeah. I mean, you're pointing to the typical way that we see this. So the idea here is when something powerful and negative comes into your life, there is a tremendous power in surrendering to it. I'm going to use a typical example that I use because it's a rainy day outside. People might be hearing the rain and the wind slashing against our door. Probably they're just hearing the birds. Yeah, they might be hearing that too. Yeah. <laughs> so if I walk outside right now, that coldness and that rain, I can ah tense up, bring my shoulders up towards my ears and fight against it. And that creates an internal state. There is also the possibility that I can walk out there. I actually did this this morning shirtless and step outside and spread your arms and just feel the sensation mm. coming at you in both cases the sensation the external world is the same in the one i am fighting it and in fighting it i create a tension inside of myself that makes the whole experience unpleasant in surrendering to the experience i in a way become more powerful. It's a strange paradox in mm. letting go and just saying, I'm not going to fight or resist this anymore. I'm just going to let it into me. Then I experience it directly. If I look out the window and I see one person all hunched up in their, uh, in their hood against it, and I see other other person, let's say, naked out there just with their arms wide, I'm going to think that the person with their arms wide is the more, quote, powerful mm, person. But they are the one that is surrendering yeah. to the experience. Wow. Well, I think there are different ways to surrender. This is really important. Surrender doesn't just mean, okay, I give up and to go into a state of apathy. I don't care. It's not like that at all. I think this speaks to the seriousness with which we go through life. And seriousness really requires energy. And when we surrender, we're starting to say, I am not going to take this so seriously. Mm -hmm. let's, let's use a serious example since we've done some heavy things. Okay. Okay. And a concrete example. So okay. let's say there's been a cancer diagnosis. Okay. Right. And it's not a good one. Okay. The usual way we think of this is we're going to go through those stages. We are going to fight this mm -hmm. and not just fight it by getting treatment, but we are just going to rail against it and be really in a state of tension about it. Okay. You can also imagine that there's the possibility of surrendering to this okay. and saying, this is what's going on and this is my new experience and I'm going to accept that that experience is here, doesn't mean I'm not going to try to treat it or whatever. I'm going to be doing exactly the same thing, but I'm doing it with a different attitude. But when we go into that surrender to go even deeper, okay. there are levels of that surrender. 
And we Ooh. should just go totally Hindu for this. Okay, let's do it. Okay. I wish we had a little Hindu music to put on here. Yeah. Dwee, dwee, dwee. Oh, <laughs> I always wanted a sitar. Oh, yeah. Oh, Those my are pretty goodness. amazing. Oh. Well, and we are going to actually just take the Hindu stuff and then mix it around and turn it into our own Hindu stuff. Okay. I think that sounds nice. Okay. okay. Should we go for it? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So in this conceptualization of the world remember this is our hindu conceptualization this is the k and r yeah. hindu version there is something called maya and maya is the often translated as the illusion of the world but you could take it as the world around us that we experience that seems very very real and wants to pull us into the dramas of the world and that is where most of us live is thinking that maya is real now the first kind of step we can take is to think of maya as as illusory as something that doesn't necessarily have to rule over our experience okay so it's kind of like in the first way of viewing maya i look at those blocks as super real and if those blocks are not stacked up i am throwing a complete fit mm -hmm. because my blocks have to be stacked the second view is psh, it's those blocks are tumbled down let's say i'm out in the rain i've got my cancer diagnosis i'm going to accept it i'm going to surrender to it in an accepting way i still see it as the reality but I'm going to say I don't have power over this reality and thus I'm going to now in kind of a rational way look at how I can treat the cancer, how I can be the best person I can mm -hmm. faced with this news, etc. But, but wait, there's more. There's more. There's something called Leela. Leela. And we take Leela as the divine play. So now it's as if Maya, we were looking at it and we saw it as reality. But when you step back into Leela, that viewpoint, you see, oh, wait a second. This is actually theater going on on a play. Mm. This is not as real as it seemed. In fact, it might be fun to start playing with it, to become part of the theater that's going on. And when I take that attitude, then I shift from stepping out into the rain and just saying, ah, oh, okay, I'm going to let this be part of me as I was doing today. Mm -hmm. And we become like the little kids here oh, in the neighborhood. Yeah. I see a puddle and I just strip on down and down they go. Mud puddles! Oh, let's yeah. Go. And there's definitely no trying at no. all. There's, there's complete enjoyment complete playfulness you've entered the world of play yeah and you can even imagine that someone could get a cancer diagnosis a bad one and say wow how can i play with this i knew i was going to die at some point so you know do i have to take this seriously i might end up actually dying in a car accident tomorrow and then all my worry about dying of cancer is going to be for naught because i never got a chance to die of cancer i died of a car accident mm -hmm. so why don't oh. I just seize this day yeah. and play? And I mean, chances are too that if you're not super stressed and super tense, maybe you'll live longer. You know, we just don't know. That's the thing. <laughs> we can receive a diagnosis. We can have something happen, but we definitely don't have the final answer. 
No, no good studies on that, unfortunately, but you have to wonder if someone approached it with a playful attitude, if that might be as powerful, perhaps, as some other forms of treatment in that you're not ladening your system with massive amounts of stress. Well, and I was just going to say that the point is whether or not you were going to live longer because of that or not, you are living in a foundation of positivity, of playfulness, of encountering the world in a completely different way. Mm, that is it, Becca. When we look at these four points, if we live by these four points and realizing that it's a walk down that road, we're going to do those maybe in order and add them to our life and it's going to grow over time, but that takes us on a different pathway down life. So imagine a day just looking at a day where you have lived by those four ways. Oh, what does yeah. that day look like? Those days are wonderful. They feel really good. And I come back to the word satisfied. I feel satisfied as though I don't need to change anything about my life. I don't necessarily need to work towards security. I don't need to have a different outcome because I was there. You enjoyed the conversations with people that you were having. We're just present in a kind of Buddha sense, you enjoyed them. Yeah. You were in Leela. You played with them. You enjoyed the food. You enjoyed the glass of tea. You enjoyed the rainstorm. You really just soaked in to every moment of that day. Then you look at the day and you say, wow, that was full and rich mm -hmm. and delicious. Even the quote bad things that happened, you approach them with a sense of play. Your car broke down and you said, wow, cool, what's this going to mean? This mm -hmm. is going to lead me down a choose-your-own-adventure path that I would not have gone on if my car had taken me straight to the destination and back. Right. And maybe it means I'm going to meet somebody that I wouldn't have met otherwise or I'm going to learn something new. So your whole day is in that frame. Wow, what a day. And then extrapolate that. So this is why that foundation is so important because if... For most of your life, you can encounter your experiences that way. And someday when you do lie down to die and you are going to have to give up all those external building blocks, you still have, I, in my mind, the greatest gift of all, which was that you had a life that felt full, that felt rich and meaningful and deep and a life where you could look at things from a positive perspective, where you didn't not let the negative pull you down, but instead it helped to build your foundation even more strongly, and you end up with deep satisfaction. What a contrast to living a day or living a life where we're on autopilot, and we say, where did that day go? Gosh, I didn't mm -hmm. really soak into anything. I didn't enjoy anything. Oh, oh my it. gosh, look at our investments. What are we going to do? Oh, or, no. oh. I mean, endless. We can... The things to get negative about are endless. Oh, yeah. As is the list of things to be positive about. It just comes down to a choice. So we have an uncertain world. That's the reality of it. How are we going to walk through it in these two distinctly different ways to do so? And the fruits of the one, very different than the dried and desiccated fruit. <laughs> That sounds like terrible. things of the other. <laughs> one is bad and one is good. <laughs> well, I, you know, but in the spiritual paths, we avoid saying that, that one thing is better or worse. But I'm going to say, as, for me, having gone some way down this road, life is a 
thousand times better than it was when I was spending so much time stressed, so much time just seeing life just kind of blop by. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say that. It's it's awesome. It's the way that you would prefer. It's the way I would prefer. Okay. May not be for everybody, but it sure well, is good for me. Then can we talk about our action points? Yeah. Okay, it's time for you to unleash your life. And action point number one is giving. All right. This is a pretty easy one. What we're going to propose for this one is that you take something... Maybe that's slightly difficult for you. Bake those two loaves of bread and give them away. Mm-hmm. Or it could be your time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just pick something that's a little bit stretches the limit. I think that's really important. And remember, we're not talking about giving yourself away. Mm-mm. Because as a perfectionist, oh, a, yeah. a recovering perfectionist, I am a person who is a people pleaser and I want everyone to be happy. And I think that that's my responsibility and I can give and give and give and give and give until I'm depleted. So there's that balance there of remembering to give to yourself. But in this case, what we're talking about is just picking one thing that might be a little challenging, but doing it with a whole heart and noticing how that feels. Did you survive giving away your two loaves of bread? Was there still enough you know, other stuff for you guys, to, your family to eat or whatever. Yeah. So just one instance, take one thing, whatever it is, and give it. And it's going to serve as a bridge to number two, because as you give it, see if you can have gratitude for having the ability to give. Mm, that's a wonderful, wonderful way to look at things. I am so grateful that I have the ingredients, the time, the knowledge to bake this bread to share and I'm so grateful that I have neighbors and friends to share it with yeah yeah I mean that that could just go on and on in a wonderful cycle so that's number two is gratitude and a gratitude practice if you do not have one in your life wow it is life-changing it is shifts the orientation of your mind and to do this the best way probably is to just choose night or morning, mm-hmm. right before bed or right when you wake up, and stop and spend even two minutes. Give yourself a set time. If you're more disciplined, you can do it for five. If you're less, do it for a minute or two minutes. And either write down, that's optimal, write down a list of things that you're grateful for, either in the day you just experienced or in the day before, or think it in your mind. And just go through a list very clearly. It helps sometimes to talk to yourself. You can do it quietly so people don't think you're wearing the helmet. Yeah. (laughs) And say, wow, I'm so grateful that blank, blank, blank. Okay. And I want to give you guys extra bonus homework. If your gratitude involves a person, then practice telling them. Mm. Stop at one point and just pick up your kid and say, I am really grateful that you picked that flower for me and shared that with me or your coworker. Hey, I am really grateful that I get to work with such a talented person. You make my life and my job so much easier. Love it. Nice. Okay. Number three. Number three is develop a mindfulness practice. And again, you hear us talk about this a lot, but we're just going to give you two ways to start that if you don't currently have one. And the first is to begin a meditation practice. The most basic meditation probably to start with is a mindfulness meditation. And you're going to set an alarm of whatever kind and whatever device you want of 
five minutes if you don't have a current mindfulness practice. Just take five minutes to start with and sit down in a comfortable position and just pay attention to your breathing. Choose one aspect of your breathing, for instance, the sensation of your belly and chest filling and emptying. And every time that you find your mind off on something else, which will probably happen 10,000 times within five minutes, bring it back to that breath. And that is all you have to do to begin a meditation practice. The second thing that you could do is take that into a conversation. Mm. Really pay attention to the person that you are talking with. So the next conversation that you get in, especially if it's one where you want to be distracted or you are feeling a little tense, see if you can say, hey, this is going to be my mindfulness practice. And instead of trying to just think about, listen to their words, then think about what I'm going to reply and not really listen to them, enter into an active listening state where that becomes your meditation. My meditation is this conversation with this person. Yeah, I know for me, when I'm in a conversation with somebody, if I have something to do, my mind is saying, okay, Kenton, you need to go do this. It's only partially there in mm -hmm. the conversation. So it often helps me too, to just say, this is the last moment of my life. I'm gonna soak into this moment and hear this person and be there present with them. Wow, okay, number four. Surrender to Leela. Yeah. <laughs> so this, we're going to try to push you right to the end of this whole surrender thing. Yeah. Do that, the Leela thing. Yeah, yeah. Which means getting playful. Yeah. Whatever the next experience you have, that's, how do you want to frame that? Okay. Let's say you're driving down the road. Whatever your next experience is that's negative, quote, that your mind goes, ah, I don't want this. So you're driving down the road and let's say your car breaks down this afternoon. Instead of saying, ah, oh, ah, oh, I'm going to be late to where I'm blah, blah. Stop and say, I wonder what the adventure is in front of me. We frame this, if people have a gaming background, to say, pretend that your life is an adventure role-playing video game. Mm -hmm. So when you walk into a cave and then a boulder shuts the cave behind you, you don't say, oh no. Oh man, oh, this uh, is awful. You say, whoa, oh, oh, I wonder what's gonna happen now. So say, I wonder what's gonna happen now. Get excited for that experience if you can. I actually experienced this once. I was okay. at college okay, and I had my white pickup truck I remember that white pickup yeah. truck. <laughs> and I came out and I reached into my pocket to get the keys and the keys were not there. And I looked inside and they were sitting there where I'd put them on. So mindfully. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> on the... <laughs> hey, that's okay. It was years ago. On the ago. seat. And there they were locked inside my car. Oh, I felt the rise of the anger and the negativity. Mm -hmm. How stupid can you be, Ken? And then all of a sudden, and sometimes these things happen spontaneously, but in this this action point, we're trying to initiate it consciously. Intentionally. Yeah. Boom. There was a switch over. And I said, oh, I get to be like a ninja. How am I going to get these out? And it took me a half hour of fiddling with the back little slidey window on the back. But I finally <laughs> got in and it was really fun and exciting. And the whole thing was an adventure. And... I have a memory that stuck with me my whole life because it got reframed in that Leela sense. This is before I even knew about any of this stuff, but 
That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Well, give these things a try. Share with us what you've experienced. Share with us how you build your foundation to have, quote, security in uncertain times. What's your what's your foundation? What are your tips and techniques? We always enjoy hearing from you. Um, does that mean I can have my colander back? No. Why do you want your colander back? Because I use it for cooking. I'm just going to have it until next month when they release the information. Next month. Can you just go get your own colander? Oh, Becca. Okay. Well, we love uh, all of you. I'm going to say goodbye to these good folks. They don't know to hear more about our interesting marital life. (laughs) Thank you so much. We just love, love, love you being a part of this whole community. Thank you, everybody. Love to you all.